The following live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati is presented by agamayoga.com. This was a live recording of Swami Vivekananda Saraswati. For more information, visit us on agamayoga.com or go directly to agamayoga.com slash downloads. It is a moral and ethical thing based on a deep understanding of reality. It requires a certain subtleness of spirit to understand how the yogis could have come to such a conclusion and to preach such a thing. Santosha is its name and Santosha comes from the same word as the famous Indian Santi Santi which means peace. Santosha means to be at peace or actually in a more correct translation in European languages is translated as contentment to cultivate contentment to be content in a certain way to be an optimist to say like Leibniz that we live in the best of the possible worlds or something of the kind sounds as a bit absurd one uh, yogi was saying Santosha <coughs> means that the yogi should cultivate contentment whatever the day brings. Many people say, yeah, that sounds so very typical of Indian philosophy because it actually sounds mostly like fatalism. You know, fatalism is an attitude which says what can't be avoided can't be avoided. Why fret? There is a destiny, there is a fate on all of us and when your time to die has come, it has just come and basta. Therefore, why fight? Why struggle? None of your efforts would do anything. If you are meant to be rich, you will be rich. If you are meant to be famous, you will be famous. If you are meant to be spiritual, you will reach spiritual anyhow. And if you are meant to die tomorrow, you will die tomorrow, whatever you do. Basically, many people would believe then that contentment is a kind of fatalism. I mean, you accept your fate with serenity, since you cannot do anything to go against it anyhow. But that is such a false uh, idea, because the yogis never preached such a thing. The whole yoga, starting from the times of the spiritual masters of yore, is full exactly with this trend, a heroic opposition of the human being against its own destiny. That means the yogis believe firmly that although there is a force in this universe which we have called karma and which force tends to push human beings in certain circumstances and in certain occurrences however this force of the universe can be dealt with it's just an energy like any other perhaps more subtle perhaps more radical perhaps more hidden but eventually it's just an energy of nature and by controlling such secret forces of nature one can actually control one's destiny the yogis would never agree that it is someone's destiny to be unhappy the yogis would say this person's destiny is unhappy because he or she doesn't do anything to get out of it but basically there exists a possibility to fight destiny. Therefore, even in the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, there is a sutra which says, the trouble yet to come shall be averted, must be averted. 
that means the yogis say if you see it coming and you don't do anything you are a fool you are totally mad there are so many parables in India with yogis who practice this kind of fatalism because many people actually even in yoga sometimes being uh, wiseacre or being incomplete they actually fall so easily because fatalism is just an expression of our own tamasic nature of our own inert nature where we basically should do nothing and wait the stone fall on our heads the yogis have always gone against this and they have said no the destiny exists as a force which tends to push you in a direction but most often you can fight it that is why great authors like Shivananda and others they say all the time stand up use your mind use your willpower use your wisdom and fight against your destiny they all the time keep giving examples of people who apparently were destined to be crippled or whatever and through a huge effort of will they have managed to change their life and to become famous or to become on the contrary extremely powerful I have met examples of people in history who were bound to be cripples and who became strong circus athletes being able to do incredible circus feats some of the most powerful people of the planet even a guy like uh, I don't know Jean-Claude Van Damme when he was a child he was born with rickety and uh, he was suffering from asthma and the doctor said this guy this kid is going to be always a weak and sick child but that man whatever he is today at that time at his own time he did many many hours of dance and karate every day and he completely changed his nature he completely changed his body that is why <coughs> the yogic subculture is generally full of an anti fatalism the yogis do not admit fatalism they say you should fight till the last minute if you die fighting you die fighting that's the cause of a hero but you should die you should fight against fatality there is no fatality you should try to defeat your destiny even in the great yoga text there is mentioned very clearly that by doing certain efforts certain yoga practices you can actually burn your karma burning your karma means actually getting away with it becoming free of karmic influences also if you want to put it in another way that's one of the deals of karma yoga karma yoga says if you do a lot of beneficial things a lot of selfless action one of the beneficial aspects of it is that you will be able to compensate for your own negative karma you have negative karma you can compensate it by doing a lot of good around you the most arch example in yoga especially in the Tibetan yoga is the famous the most famous yogi of Tibet who was Milarepa funny enough Milarepa who is today still acknowledged as being the greatest history I'm sorry the greatest yogi of the history of Tibet and that's not a small thing because Tibet had a lot of great yogis and Milarepa is still considered the biggest of them all Milarepa, very few of you probably know he started as a black magician and as a murderer he killed more than 35 people doing black magic so the karma of Milarepa was horrible anybody else would have crumbled under it and Milarepa had such a huge stamina and such a huge wish for liberation and such a huge wish to become free of his own stupidity that he fought hard and he eventually not only that he reached enlightenment but he actually reached to be considered the greatest of the yogis of Tibet 
This shows automatically that the yogis are not fatalists. And then what is Santosha? How can the yogis preach that you should be contented? I mean, uh, it sounds very much like the Indian thing. You know, everything is Maya, smile. You know, this thing is a dream and it will end soon. So let's forget about it. Your house is a wreck and it rains inside during the monsoon. Don't fret. This is just materialism, right? Just uh, smile because this house is a dream and your body is a dream and your whole life is a dream. So why do you fret about a stupid roof? Uh, your kid gets bitten by a cobra, smile, be happy, you know, because your kid was a dream in another dream, basically. It did not exist, so why do you worry so much? So everything you do is kind of you should not worry. This is not the yogic interpretation. This is an interpretation which comes from Vedanta, which is not the source of yoga. The yogis have been thinking in another way. To understand how they reached still to this contentment, I mean, the yogis seem to say, and it is indeed so, I would say that I can put it under this way, the yogis seem to say a yogi should always think positively. Or if you want it put in another way, cultivate optimism. It is always the best outcome to cultivate optimism. You will be better off if you cultivate optimism than if you think destructively. Still many people say, yeah, but I cannot. Sometimes it's unrealistic. Sometimes it sounds absurd. The yogis say it may sound absurd, but still you may find a way to have contentment. To be content every day. Even if that day is one of your valleys, is the valley of tears, still you can find contentment in it if you focus your consciousness in a certain way. That's the whole trick. The yogis would say this is possible only in a special condition. That's what we are going to talk about tonight to see what is that condition, what were they talking about. To start with, let's not start from a yogi, let's start from a Greek philosopher in the great generation of Greek philosophers, forgot his name, this Greek philosopher used to say concerning the events of life, we have, we can split them in two categories, things about which we can do something and things about which we can do nothing. The things about which you can do something you should cultivate happiness about them. Because since you can do something, unless you are an idiot, you are going to do what is to be done, and they will be solved according to your own whim, according to your own desire. And concerning the events about which you can do nothing, such as, I don't know, act of God, catastrophe, whatever, he said it is useful that you should also cultivate happiness, because you cannot do anything, anyhow. So if you will be sad or dejected, it will not solve the problem at all. It will make you more vulnerable, more weak. So this man said, actually, if you think like this, you will discover that in all events of life, we can cultivate happiness, contentment, because it is the best attitude to take. Either you can influence those events or not. In this way, this comes a little bit close to this yogic mentality, but it's still we don't see, I mean, why? It would be nice to be able to have a smile on your face, but how do you make that that smile is not idiotic, or that that smile is not just a fake smile? Can it be real? Can you reach to this point where you see, okay, or whatever the day brings, I can see the bright side of things, I mean, it is, it is really just thing that some people are seeing the half, the empty half of the glass, and some people are taught to see the empty, uh, the full half of the glass, what is the issue here? 
the yogis have said that the first issue related, I mean to truly understand how contentment can be how is it possible to reach contentment because else it sounds silly you know, last time it was Siobhan in the last ceremony who thrilled us by playing this silly little song of who was it, Bob Marley or whoever it was who plays this uh, reggae little funny thing which is don't worry, be happy it sounds as a very silly thing and it sounds as a very superficial song but the funny thing is that you know that remark don't worry, be happy was taken by that fellow or whoever took it from a great yogi of India the fabulous Meher Baba who spent 40 years in silence without talking and Meher Baba although he was not talking he was sometimes writing on paper short messages and his most frequent message was precisely this when people came and started talking about all kind of catastrophic things Meher Baba just answered briefly don't worry, be happy and many people thought, wow, you know, this guy is a madman, you know, I mean, he's talking from, I mean, what, what does it mean, don't worry, be happy, can you really be? Some people tried, because they considered him a holy man, but other people considered it absurd, because Meher Baba never bothered to explain. He was actually trying to convey to people this message of Santosha, telling them, if you choose to cultivate contentment, because you can as well, it's a mental choice, you can choose to cultivate discontentment. I have met in my life people who whatever they did or whatever other people did, they would always, uh, 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 there was always something to be discontent of. This is a choice after all. And the yogis have said you can choose, for example, you can try it for six months. You don't have to do it for the rest of your life. Try to see what happens. Try it for one year as an experiment with your life. You can choose to cultivate contentment. And many people will say, yeah, right, but it will be fake sometimes. How can I actually do it? The first point which the yogis have underlined, that this then, it has been something which is almost a sin time. Today it is considered to be a kind of a motto and so on, and which is sometimes used so superficially that it became almost ridiculous. It is the famous issue of living in the present. Oh, living in the present, we have all heard about it. Live the day, seize the day, carpe diem, whatever. Right, live in the present. What does it mean? Is it a Hollywood thing for movies? I mean, yeah, live in the present. Uh, like, I don't know, Scarlett O'Hara, right in Gone with the Wind. Uh, you know, tomorrow is also a day, today, I will think about today, or something like this. Seems to be a great philosophy, but it seems to be both outdated and a bit romantic, like, oh, living in the present, I have heard that before. You know, what, what will it solve? This living in the present is actually, according to yoga, a very, very hard psychological exercise, which not many people will succeed. You have to try hard on this one. Living in the present is not just a philosophy, oh, let's live in the present. It's an exercise. And if you will try to do it, then you will see how actually how difficult it is. Technically, not romantically and philosophically, technically, in this very moment, right now, the yogis would have said that the mind, the human mind is built in such a way that it actually exists only in polarity, in plus and minus. If you bring it to zero, the zero, as I have shown you in Tantra, with plus and minus and all the others, the zero is transcendent is something beyond. So basically the mind, because it cannot transcend, it splits itself into past and future. 
That is why the human mind, to be able to do its normal work with conceptualizing and everything, it actually works only in the concepts of past and future. Because the present does not exist as a movement of the mind. The present exists only as awareness, as pure consciousness. I am. And that is all. That means there is no thought about it. There is simply the clear feeling of presence, of pure consciousness. Therefore, the yogis have warned, the human mind disappears in the present. It dies. It's exactly like with the concentration of the mind. When you freeze the mind on that stupid ping pong ball or whatever it is, mind has to stop. And mind won't stop because mind likes to be agitated. And therefore, the mind will always search for a new dream, for a new preoccupation, for a new thought, for a new thought to be thought or something. And that is why the mind would always either remember something from the past or throw a bridge to the future. If it stops in the present, it stops. And when it stops, I think it was the tantric author of the Vigana Bhairava Tantra who said that it undulates like a kaleidoscopic thing in front of your eyes and you see the sky through this net. But basically if the net stops, it's suddenly like the water clarifies and you see through. And then you see reality. Actually it is the undulation of the mind which hides the reality from the human being. So that is why the yogis have defined Patanjali himself says that yoga means the stopping of the mind. Not because you should become an idiot, but because the mind is hiding reality. The mind thinks too much, labels too much, and you don't have the time to see what actually you are and what reality is. That is why also Buddha has called it Shunya, the void, Nirvana, extinction. Not because you become nothing, it's because you actually have to stop this useless agitation of the mind. And that is why the yogis, they can go on with their scholarly psychological demonstration, they came to the conclusion that the mind thrives only on the past and on the future. And that is energy spent absurdly. Because the truth is neither to the left nor to the right, but in the middle, where the pendulum stops. But how difficult it is to arrest the mind, to give it a break, to say, now you stupid mind, shut up for three minutes at least. Complete silence, complete no thought. Anybody who will ever try to not to think for three minutes, or for five minutes, we'll see how difficult it is. It's almost impossible to sit and have no thoughts in the mind. Although that would be a very privileged state of peace. That is why the yogis have said that the human beings, they spend uselessly the energy in the past and in the future, and they don't think about the present. And the past and the future are both of them completely unreal. They do not have existence compared with the present moment. The past is gone and will never come back. It's just, it has become a non-reality, a virtual reality. And the future is just a foggy, fluffy design of something which might come to be, but which you never know if it's going to be. Very often we expect the future to be in a way, and then after five years, the future is completely, completely different than ever we expected it to be. Moreover, the yogis say, and that makes another part of this argumentation, first of all, don't forget that you might be dead by tomorrow, and then any stupid plans you might have about the future will become absurd. So therefore, thinking too much about the future or the past is simply waste of energy. That is why the yogis would say psychologically 
that the most important thing is to focus on the present not as a philosophy, as an exercise like now, here I am and I can focus in the present moment not in five minutes this is an exercise so difficult you are going to see it plagues all your spiritual practice people always try to do things in the future some other day, some other time you will see it works even in meditation when you do yoga for example you do some yoga asana and your thought is wow I will do this and I will activate my heart chakra so there I do and what do I hope? oh I hope that one day my heart chakra will be big and I will be able to love the way Jesus loved or whatever when will this happen? ah one day it will happen tomorrow it will happen next month it never happens now you will see that even in meditation, you are sitting there and meditating and you expect enlightenment, right? I mean, everybody who meditates seriously will hope into revelation of the divine, into absolute consciousness, into enlightenment. And you sit there and you feel that something might be coming up and you say, wow, you know, when does it come? Soon, soon, you know. Uh, when, when will I reach Samadhi? I think in five minutes, you know, it's building up already, I can feel it. Five minutes means never, because in five minutes it never exists. It is always now. When you will be in five minutes, at that moment you will still feel that that moment is now, not in five minutes. So basically five minutes is an illusory unit of time, or ten, or one. Basically, the power of consciousness is this one that it makes things happen now. When will I reach the opening of my heart chakra? not in five minutes, actually it's now this now means a kind of madness a kind of presence, a kind of explosion you know I have accumulated and accumulated and I'm standing to burst and here I am, yes, it's now it is happening right now this is an energy and that is why the yogis have been preaching Brahmacharya they say if you don't practice Brahmacharya you will never get that mad you lack this energy to say yes now you know no you will always be flat and say it's coming in 10 minutes it's coming it's already building up I can feel it it's never coming if you think like this it, it will happen so often and you will see how your mind tricks you all the time because you cannot believe it's now you can always believe it's soon this soon is a terrible trick of the mind and you sit there and you say it's building up it's building up, yes I can feel, mm, it's deep, it's building up and then it's kind of not happening and then your half an hour of meditation is over and you say, ah, it was so close today, you know I was really close today, I think tomorrow it will really happen now because it builds up day by day and it doesn't, it doesn't unless one day your mind is replaced by consciousness, by awareness. In the present, there is no mind. There is only pure consciousness or awareness. And consciousness is not mind. The animals have mind, but they don't have consciousness. The animals have intelligence, but they don't have self-awareness. So in the same way, the yogis say that is why, even when it is not in your own interest, even when it is sounding foolish,